Ephesians 5, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would. We're, we're talking about music, but we're not. <laughs> like, we're, 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 we're going to deal with music, but it's not just like, okay, here are these tenets of music, and then the, that's it. Um, really, what we're looking at is, is the connection between music and the human heart, music and God. And tonight, we're kind of going to turn it a little bit and go into this, the area of music and culture, music and pop culture in particular, and society today. Uh, let, let me say this, just because pop culture's in favor of it doesn't mean it's a good thing, okay? Can, can I throw this out? For those of you that are like, oh no, if it's new, if, if, if everyone's saying it, it's got to be true. Do you know 150 years ago, or 100, uh, maybe what, 70 years ago almost, slavery was legal in the United States? Do you know where I'm going with this? Just because the majority accepts something doesn't mean that it's morally correct. Right? So I know we'd all agree on, well, you shouldn't own people. It's a bad thing. Like, we all could agree on that. But what I'm trying to illustrate is that at at the time, the majority of people are like, what's the problem? You know what's going on today? A bunch of other garbage. Everyone's going, what's the problem? Well, I'll tell you what the problem is. If it doesn't line up with God's word, it is a problem. And so the, the, our job as believers, remember this, is to prove whatever's going on in your life, whatever it is, relationships, friendships, money, uh, 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 job, your career, your children, your wife, your uh, whatever, prove all of that and go, God, is this acceptable to you? Amen. Not society, not my family, not even the pastor. Lord, is this acceptable to you? Uh, look at Ephesians chapter 5, and look, if you would, at verse number, uh, let's go back a little bit, uh, 4. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient. That's why a lot of TikTok is garbage. I'm not saying it's all bad. Don't, see, the thing is, you, if I say it, some TikTok, pastor said I can't have TikTok. I didn't say that. What I said is, this is why a lot of it is garbage, all right? Uh, Look look what it says here, nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. That's why we're going to do that. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, you can can be those things and be saved. But you can't be those things and inherit anything in the life. In other words... The rewards that God wants for you at the judgment seat of Christ, you will miss out on. And the fullness of the experience that, listen to me, um, if someone, if you go to Disney World, which is not the happiest place on earth at all, (laughs) at all, all right, you pay thousands of dollars to have kids scream in line, that's it, all right? And and, and then I'm I'm the guy that's telling you this, and at some point when Olivia's older, we're going to go, and it's going to read like Proverbs 23, I will seek it yet again, (laughs) right? But if they were offering a free fast pass at Disney, who wouldn't take it? Cut the line. Sign me up. Don't tell me for a moment that when it comes to living a better Christian life and seeing all that God wants for you, that if you are in your right mind, you won't look at that and go, I want that. You won't get it if you live a certain lifestyle. Look what it says in verse number six. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. That's not because I don't think I'm, I, I, don't, I don't partake, not because I think I'm better than anybody. Far from it. I think I'm just as bad as they are. Yeah, right. I'm a sinner. Yeah, right. 
and my flesh is weak, and I can't be around certain things because if I'm around it enough, I will become that. Yeah. All right. Uh, look at look at verse eight. For ye were look at the past tense. I love the past tense here. Ye were sometimes darkness. In other words, you shouldn't be now. Right. You were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Isn't that great, Ayana? You can say, "I'm light in the Lord now." Right. Amen. Yeah. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Look at verse 10. I want you to just kind of mentally underline this. Pay attention to it. We're going to come back to it over and over in this study. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Not the church, not your family, not your friends, and definitely not pop culture. Proving what is acceptable on the Lord. Look at verse 11. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. So, you know, some things that have come out need to go back in where they came from. Uh, but, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Uh, go down, if you would, to verse 16. Redeeming the time. You got so much time on this earth, you ever met, you, and, and most of us have lost time to make up for. <laughs> Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. How can I know the will of God for my life? It goes back to verse 10. But isn't it interesting that when he discusses uh, the, the will of the Lord, look what he says in verse 18. Be not drunk with wine when it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. When you're filled with the Spirit, you'll do this, verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Uh, Brother Joe, if you would open us up in a word of prayer, sir. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. I want to remind you what it says in verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What is it that you speak to yourself when you're by yourself? What is it that happens? That, what, what is the, the medium, if you will, that, that you're using to speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? You should be doing that. And the Bible says, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So a natural byproduct of being filled with the Spirit of God is, uh, that follows that is the right kind of music. 
We're not here to tell you that music is bad. Matter of fact, we went through this already. Music has moral quality. It was created by God for God's pleasure, just like you are. And if you're created for God's pleasure and music's created for God's pleasure, you should figure out what pleases God in that arena. Amen? But, but automatically, the Bible tells us that if you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. We talked about this last time. And for those that are on this side, I'm sorry. Do the best I can. Uh, but uh, when you got saved, God did nothing to your body. Your soul was saved. Your spirit was born again. I hate to uh, you know, dis- discourage anybody, but God didn't touch this. This is on its own until the rapture. You've got to make this do what the spirit of God wants it to do. All right. So, but, but when we look at how the, 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 the real you breaks down, you are a three-part being just like God is. All right? And, and God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You are a body, a soul, and a spirit. And when you break music down, you've got melody, which lines up with a spirit. You've got harmony that lines up with the soul. You've got rhythm that lines up with the body. Are you with me? All right? And, and so, you, listen, it's not, we went through this. It's not that rhythm is bad. It's that if rhythm is the thing that's leading the song, you're in trouble. And most pop culture music is just that. Most music today... It's not about the words. It's not about the melody. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about the rhythm. How I know this is take the words that they're singing and try to put them to the music that's played in church, in our church, and it will go. You know why? Because the music doesn't, it doesn't line up. Why? Because what's leading most music today is rhythm. And the way we likened it last week was this. If you were to take salt and put it in your food, should salt make up 75% of your food? (laughs) absolutely not 50% 25% it should be like wait it is there to season you understand you need rhythm to stay on track God knows some of us need a little more rhythm than others because man we're we're up here you know leading by the way when brother Eric's up here doing this he's not doing this just for fun there is a purpose to it is to make sure that you get on on the same beat with everybody else you have to have unity when you're trying to bring worship to God that's part of it so rhythm is part of you. It's not bad, but excessive rhythm. When that is what leads, you're in trouble. All right? And I want you to get a hold of that because, listen, when you get saved, you are not to be led by your flesh anymore. You should be led by the Spirit of God. And the music that you're bringing, the things you're bringing into your life, if they are feeding your flesh and they are led by the flesh, they cannot be used by the Spirit of God. Do you understand that? God is not going to lower His standards so that we like Him. All right? And if God did, you know what he would have to do? He'd have to repent to everyone else that he judged for what they did wrong. You understand that? God is not, in 2022, God's going to wake up and go, oh my gosh, after watching MSNBC, it all makes sense now. I've been scrolling and you know what? I was wrong this whole time. God's not going to do that. God is the everlasting. He changes not. And we should be thankful for that. All right, but, but you don't understand, as it relates to the different parts of music, when rhythm is the leading part. Let me, let me read you something. Brother, if you go to the next slide. Let me read you something from a professor, all right, from a, a secular university, Boston College. All right, this guy, William Kilpatrick, professor of education at Boston College, wrote this in a book. Rock can't be, now listen, I'm not, this is not a message about rock, all right? This is a sec, not a preacher, a secular educator saying this. Rock can't be made respectable. What about Christian rock? I don't know. This is what this guy's saying. The music will simply subvert the words. No matter how many reforms are attempted, rock and rap will always gravitate in the direction of violence and uncommitted sex. Now, I didn't say that. I'm not even saying I necessarily believe all of that. 
But there's something to what the guy's saying. And you know what he's trying to say in so many words? You know what you can take away from that? It isn't scripture, but you know what he's trying to say? Certain things just don't fit. You can take words and you can take the most beautiful words and try to put them to certain uh, uh, beats of music and it is not going to work. Now you say, who is this guy? A guy that isn't saved. He said, well, why are we listening to him? Look at Luke chapter 16. You know what he says? The beat says, not, not the music, the beat says, do what you want to do. You know what that is? That's Genesis chapter 3. Ye shall be as gods in your own eyes. Well, I don't care. I don't see what the big deal is. Okay, free country. But, but, but let me ask you this. Are you seriously going to tell me that you can listen to any kind of music and it's going to elevate your spirit? You've got standards whether you want to tell people that you do or not. You may say, well, I don't think my music is bad. Okay, well, how do we draw that line? Where is that line at? Here's what I can tell you. A general rule of thumb is this. When the rhythm is the thing carrying the song, you're probably heading in the wrong direction. Did I say all modern music is bad? Nope. Did I say all modern Christian music is bad? No, I did not. What I'm saying is this. Pop culture is counter-biblical. Let me say this again. You you know what they'll say about a Bible-believing person? You are counter-cultural, and I will say amen. Yeah. So listen, you got a choice tonight. Do you want to be counter-cultural? Or kind of biblical. You, got, you can't be both. You can't say, well, I'm just going to kind of coast in with the crowd, and, but I'm not against the Bible. Yet you will be eventually. At some point, you're going to have to make a choice. This isn't, this is what I'm saying. This is not just about music. This is about where you want to align yourself in life. Uh, look at Luke chapter 16. Now, you may go, well, why are we listening to some, what some lost person has to say about music? This guy uh, studied music for many, many years, wrote a book about it. Uh, and I am not an expert on music, don't claim to be. Um, I like music. I'm a musical person in the sense that when I walk in a place, I, and this is a, not, not everybody's wired this way, and I get that. I'd be walking in a store, and i go, you hear that, babe? I'm going to keep on loving you. And it's going off in the background, some 80s song, and my wife has no idea it's going on at all. I hear, and I hear everything. It's like I have this sixth dimension that I tap into. <laughs> But all joking aside, like, I'm wired that way. I recognize that everybody is. But I'll tell you what, if you are wired that way, you have to be that much more sensitive to it. All right, look at Luke 16. Look, if you would, at verse number 18. Luke 16, that's not it, verse 8. <laughs> Ooh, that's another verse. We don't want to look at that one right now. Uh, look at Luke chapter 16, verse number 8. <laughs> that's another message for another time. <laughs> look at verse 8. And the Lord commanded, commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. Now watch this. For the children of this world, are in their generation wiser than the children of light. You know what that tells me? Every once in a while, a lost person will pick up on something that a saved person doesn't. And you may think, well, I don't see what the big deal is. Here's a lost guy, a a, a professor of education at Boston Stinkin' College, not a Christian school, going, I don't care what you say. I've studied this. You can't make that what you think you can make it. How about Christian pot? Christian prostitution? Uh, Christian slavery? Now, if I say Christian slave, you go, yeah, that's wrong. That's wrong. I say Christian pot, you're like, man, man, man. You know why you do that? Because of where you're at in 2022. You wouldn't say that 30 years ago. Let me ask you, did God change his position on that? Absolutely not. All right. Uh, Look at me, if you would, to, uh, oh, let's go to Exodus chapter 33, or 23, Exodus 23. Brother, if you go to the next slide for me, I'd appreciate it. Exodus 23, pop goes the music. (laughs) He may go, pop goes the weasel, pop goes the music. You know, 
you're going to have to say in your life, am I doing the things that I'm doing? Am I doing those things to be acceptable in the sight of God? Or am I doing those things to be acceptable in the sight of people? Now, I recognize some of you have this music stuff completely down, and that's great, praise God. But I want you to challenge any of you that that maybe you're you're thinking, well, I don't need this message. This is for, you know, some newer Christian. I've already learned about this stuff. Let me ask you, are there things in your life that you're doing now that you didn't do 10 years ago that you knew were wrong, but as the world continues to pressure you and as the world continues to squeeze in on the church, you start going, well, maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe it, it, maybe it's okay if I do it once. Maybe around my family, it's. Let me just say right now, God isn't like, oh, you want to do around family? Cool, that's all right with me. Yeah, all those. Uh, yeah, yeah. You as long as you don't do it anywhere else, you can do evil stuff with your family. It's safe there. Wh- where does that come from the Bible? All right. So so let me let me just warn you, and I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Amnon. When he does what he does to his sister and he rapes his own sister in the Bible, you go, that's disgusting. Yeah, and it's recorded in there for a reason. It's perversion. And when he does that, it was his cousin giving him the advice to do it. You go, a lot of parents are like, I, I don't want you hanging out with Juanito, Roberto. They're bad kids. They're in the gangs. And then you hang out with cousins. Well, they're, they're doing everything that the other kids are doing. But they're family. What are you talking about? How is it any different? What, I, what I'm trying to get, I got one a, a, amen. Right? My wife's like, amen, amen. <laughs> Olivia, did you hear that? You're not doing that with your cousin. I mean, the, the reality is this. You have to be a Christian or not. Now, look, you can be saved and do whatever you want. Some of you are like, praise God. I think I'll try that. <laughs> um, and you know what you're going to find out? You're surely disappointed when you get everything you want. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget one time my, my dad, me and my brother were fighting, and he comes in, and he gave us, I mean, the education of a lifetime. I'll put it that way. Since this is going online, he gave us the education of a lifetime. So then this happens again in the same week. My dad walks in and me and my brother were like this, you know, and I don't know what we were fighting. I cannot tell you what me and Gabriel were fighting about. All I know is that he was getting bigger. He was getting scrappier and it started to become a challenge and we're fighting. I mean, like fist fight. I mean, just, you know, going at it. And, and all of a sudden my dad walks in. He walks in. He goes, ¿Qué pasa aquí? ¿Qué están haciendo? And I said, well, you know, he started, he started, he goes, bueno, que te pase. And he walks out, he goes, you know what? You want to do this? Have fun. And he shut the door. And then we looked at each other like, well, this is boring now. <laughs> Dad told us we could do it. <laughs> y- you know what some of you are going to do? You're going to push and push and push and push that limit and push that standard and push that goal and move that thing and keep moving until the point where you get what you want. And, you know, you're going to find out God's going to go, okay. And you aren't going to be happy when you get it. This is the state of modern Christianity. Look at Exodus chapter 23. Exodus chapter 23. Now, if, if you're hearing what I'm saying, and you're hearing that, man, no one can live the Christian life right today. We're all in trouble. There's no. I'm not saying that at all. God has always left a remnant for those who are willing to be the remnant. But you can't go along with the majority and expect to be right with God. It's never worked. Look at Exodus 23. Look, if you would, at verse number 2. Thou shalt not. This is a thou shalt not that you may not be familiar with. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Why does he say that? Because usually the majority gets it wrong. Look at Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter 7. Do you know what I just heard? I'm not trying to bring up politics, uh, but there were a bunch of, hundreds of people were fired from the city and state of New York for not getting vaccinated a couple years ago. 
And you know, they just got, they just got turned over by the Supreme Court of New York. And you know what they did? They said, you got to give them their jobs back. And oh, by the way, you got to pay them back pay. Now, in the moment, two years ago, you know, everybody thought this is the way it's going to be. And two years later, it's been overturned. This is what I'm trying to tell you. This is just one small example. What I'm trying to tell you is you can't base your life on majority. You can't look around the world around you and go, well, they're doing it. It's okay. Uh, Usually what you ought to learn to do is if everyone's doing it, you ought to stand back and go, should I do this? Uh, Look at Matthew 7 and look, if you would, at verse number 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in there. How many? He doesn't say how many, but he says many. He doesn't say a few. He says many there be which go in there at. All right, you know what I'm trying to get you to see? Uh, Look at verse uh, 14, because straight is the gate, narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. When you look at pop culture, you know what pop is? It's short for popular which means the majority, all right? When you look at pop culture, you know, what you, you know what you should be reminded of? There's a narrow way with the Lord, and few there be that find it. And there's a broad way where everybody else is going, but everybody else is doing it, and they're all enjoying their way to hell. That's it. They don't realize where it's leading. But you as a Christian should go, yeah, like I get that everyone else is doing it, but that, that is actually a good reason for me to pause and go, maybe I should question whether this is okay for me. Now, let me give you one small example. It has nothing to do with music at all. But, but years ago, there was a guy named Dr. Spock. And Dr. Spock, and not, not this Spock, all right? Not, yeah. not that one, all right? But Dr. Spock uh, was a, uh, a psychologist, and he formulated this theory, this idea that, that really we really shouldn't be uh, uh, disciplinarians as much with our children as we are in society. We need to correct this ship. We need to right this ship. Now, I'll tell you this. Toward the end of his life, he kind of backtracked on some of that because he realized he did some damage and he tried to undo it, but it was a little too late, man. You know what he said for years and years and years? You got to let them do what they want to do. You got to let them find themselves. You got to let, don't hurt their self-esteem. Let me tell you something. Some kids need to be knocked down a notch. All right, I've got, I've got kids. Listen, I've got, I'm, I'm learning to be an expert on children. I've got a little bit of them, all right? And I can tell you this much about them. Children are just people on a smaller scale, Okay. And you know what they struggle with? Everything you do. Pride. Yes. They struggle with arrogance. They struggle with, with uh, uh, narcissism. And you know what's happening today? You've got people that legitimately think it's okay to destroy art because they want to save the climate. You know what that is? That's an extreme narcissist that says, pay attention to me, look at me, and if I'm hurt by something, you should change. The world should change for me. Now, let, why am I using this illustration? What I'm trying to say is this. 40-some, 50-some years ago, we said, let's change how we parent in America. Yep. How's it working? Right. <laughs> do, do, listen, let me tell you something. You may disagree with me, and that's fine. It's a free country. You have the right to be wrong. Amen. All right? <laughs> I, I remember sitting in church where we did not, another, not this church, another church, where we did not have a nursery, and we would make our kid at two years old sit still. Yep. Oh, they can't do it. Yes, they can. Yep. I'm not telling you you can't have your kid in nursery. We have one for a reason. Use the nursery, all right? But what I'm saying is this. You need to understand your kids are capable of more than you think they are. Society has lowered the standards so far that even Christians go, oh, my kid can't do that. If you tell them that, they never will. Do, do you understand what I'm trying to get at? Society is, 
Listen, you ever watch, <laughs> some of you are going, oh, I don't care about the old days, and you know, Pastor, you're just an old person, and I'm not that old, all right? I promise, I'm not, some of the older folks here think I'm young, so let me, let me kind of fit in the middle somewhere, right? <laughs> but you know, I've watched, I've watched commercials from the 1950s, people go to the grocery store with a suit and top hat on. I'm not saying it to be, that's not, there's no sign of spirituality at all. We're not talking about the Bible, we're not about spirituality, I'm just talking about societal standards. And now you've got the people of Walmart. (laughs) And you're like, what is that? You know how that happened over time slowly. Do you understand what I'm getting at? I didn't say you're you're not spiritual if you wear pajamas to Walmart. Do what you want to. (laughs) That's between you and the Lord. I'm just saying from a societal standpoint, we've lowered it. And everyone goes, well, everyone's doing it, so it must be okay. Well, why don't we stand back and go, well, the Bible says don't follow multitude. The Bible says that few there be that find life. Why would I go along with the majority if the Bible over and over and over is telling me, hey, usually popular culture gets it wrong. <laughs> Look at 1 Kings chapter number 18. 1 Kings 18, Old Testament. 1 Kings 18, if you were alive in Elijah's day, do you know what you'd say? There are 400 people that stand for this religion, they've got to be right. There's this one wackadoo Bible thumper guy who's trying to tell us we're all doing it all wrong and we need to repent, whatever that's all about. It's all judgment and this and that. These 400 guys tell us we can do whatever we want. And I'm trying to be careful because we have mixed company, but man, if we want to get naked and get around an idol and enjoy ourselves, then we'll do that. It's what they did. You got one guy that stands against 400. Look at 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings 18. Look at me if you would at verse number 19. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel and Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400. So, so excuse me, 850, which eat at Jezebel's table. Well, who's, how many do you have on God's side? You got one guy. Right. Yeah. One guy. Against 850. Who's right? The one guy's right. Not because of him, but because of the God he represents. So it's not about how many do we have on our side. As time goes on, listen to me. As time goes on, it's going to get harder to be a Bible-believing Christian. They're going to make it to where if you believe this book, you're going to be considered hateful and a hate crimes going to be labeled to you and all kinds of stuff. It's going to get ugly before the Lord comes back. You better buckle up and you better decide which side you're on. Because I'm telling you this, when you stand in front of Jesus Christ, if you're saved, you could turn your back on him. I use this illustration all the time. My children could grow up, say, Dad, I hate you. I never want to see you again. And they'll walk away from me and I could never see them again. And it will still be my child. That will never change. When you're born again, that never changes. But I'm going to tell you, you will stand before him someday. And he's going to say, you know what? I put you in America, sucker. You made this much every year. You had the internet. You had modern technology. You had a King James Bible. You had a Bible-living church. And you still did what everyone else said was right to do. You blew it. You had opportunity that you blew because you said, which way is the wind blowing? One guy against 850. It's kind of interesting odds, I think. Look at Acts chapter 17. Acts 17, look at a New Testament example. Can I remind you, in the Gospel of Luke, it, d- it describes for us that the high priests and the elders 
and the multitude were presented with this, this decision, this choice. And the choice was this. Who should I release unto you, Barabbas, the criminal, or Jesus? Do you know what the majority said? Crucify him. I'll never forget, years ago, Sarah Silverman, famous comedian, said this. If he was here again, we'd blank and blank, do it again. No, I wouldn't spend five bucks on Comedy Central. You see, I don't know who that is. Don't go looking her up. You know what the point is? This world does not love your Savior. And it's amazing because here's a sinless man. The world talks about, you know, rape culture and how we need to teach young men to be respectful and all that. First off, how do you do that if no one knows if they're a man or a woman? I don't even understand that. But, but, but if you do, then how do, we, how do we show them what a man is like? Here's a man that never looked at a woman and thought a dirty thought. His name is Jesus Christ. Here's a man that never abused, manipulated, or took advantage of a woman. Why don't you look at his life? We don't want that guy around. You know why? Because he reminds everybody of their sin. And you know what? Yeah, there's more quality, there's more value in him, and he, he, he would do a great job for that. We could use that stuff about being proper with women, but he reminds us too much about our sin, so let's get rid of him. Do you understand? The world is always going to say, we don't want him around. You know what they did? They used him for the miracles when he fed them. Why am I pointing this out? I want you to understand that when it comes to what society is about today and where we're at today, Music is a byproduct. Entertainment is a byproduct of culture. Music is a byproduct of culture. Do you understand? And so if your culture is counter-biblical and moving in the wrong direction ever so slightly, I'd say ever so slightly, man, it seems like it's going to hell in a handbasket really fast these days, but moving in the wrong direction nonetheless, you've got to step back and go, should I have some kind of filter on some of this stuff? Look at Acts chapter 17, and you say, what's going on here? Paul is dealing with some people in Athens, and uh, you know what he does? He takes the mask off of their culture, and I would say this. If CNN were there or some news media outlet were there today, they would probably be offended. They would. Do you know what, you know what happens here? Look, if you would, in verse number, um, verse number 20. And we'll go back to verse number uh, 16. And now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Why was his spirit stirred? It was stirred because he knows the one true God and he sees an entire city that does not. He was burdened to tell them about the one true God. And and so let me show you what happens here in verse number uh, 21. For all the Athenians and strangers which are there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. That's social media. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are to what? Do you know what he did? He knocked the idols of their culture down. Because you cannot elevate God without knocking down the other idols. When you look at society and you look at how we view entertainment and we, you look at how we view music and we look at how we do the things that we do for entertainment, all those things that make up our culture, the things that reflect our culture today, we have to learn to step back and go, okay, if it's counter-biblical, if it's feeding the flesh and it's feeding the old man, 
regardless of what everybody else thinks about it, maybe I should step back and go, this is a byproduct of the culture, and the culture's not moving in the right direction. I need to step back and go, I need to filter on this. I need to filter on this. You have an Old Testament example. You have a New Testament example. You know what you have to learn to do? You have to learn to discern. And we talked about that before. But if you go to the next slide, you know how I'm going to start? I'm going to split our church right in two. You ready? Okay, who says Big Mac? Go, raise your hand if you're a Big Mac person. All right? Who says Whopper? Raise your hand if you're a Whopper person. Who says you're all going to hell, you need Chick-fil-A? Amen, hallelujah, amen. <laughs> <laughs> They're just not open on Sunday, man. Uh, but, but, but now listen, here's the thing I want you to understand. When you choose McDonald's over Burger King, I'm being serious right now. Some of you are like, that's disgusting. I never, just, just, stop, just it's an illustration, okay? When you choose McDonald's over Burger King, or Burger King over McDonald's, you know what you just did? You made a judgment call. You decided this was better than this, okay? Now, I realize there's no moral consequence outside of a, which gut, do you, do you want your gut to get heavy faster or slower? Like, I don't, I, I realize there's no moral, like, consequence to this. I get that, but I'm trying to illustrate something. What is better? Is, I know what you're going to say, Bella. Starbucks or Dutch Bros? I'll tell you this. Dutch Bros, if I didn't know better, I would think they're just high on life, man. It's like a party. You go in there and they got strobe lights on. How you doing, man? You go to Starbucks, that'd be $5.72. And then, and then like, you, you can tell when you get too close, like, you breathed on me, right? So, so I realize there's no moral quality to these questions, but I'm trying to get you to think a little bit. When you choose one thing over another, you have made a judgment call. Do you understand that? So when someone says, preacher, you're judging. (laughs) Okay, when I choose the brown shoes over the black shoes, or the black shoes over the brown shoes, I made a judgment call. You're you're making judgments all day long. The question is, are they right? right? Now, let me take you to Matthew chapter 7, because this is the famous verse. You ready for it? All right, I could, man, I've talked to people that don't know a lick of scripture. They've never cracked open a Bible, and they're like, well, the Bible says judge not, right? And let's be honest, it does. Let's be intellectually fair and honest and point out the Bible does say that, and, but there's context to it. It doesn't mean that you are never to judge anything for the rest of your life at all. L- listen, if my kid came to me and said, Dad, can I have crack cocaine? Absolutely, I can't judge. <laughs> are you listening to what I'm saying? That's That's... That, that is not what that means. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Let me show you something. Because you're going to have to discern and judge when it comes to what you watch, what you listen to, what you allow to be central in your house. Look, there's some things that I have had, I've got to say, hey, I don't care if your friends do it. No. Now, look, you do what you need to do in your house. I'm not telling you how to run your house. I'm just telling you. The point is this, you're going to have to make some judgment calls. And the reality is you're already doing it whether you realize it or not. The question is, are you lining up with God? Or are you lining up with pop culture? Look at Matthew 7, look at verse 1. Judge not. There, see, preacher, there it is right there. I knew it was there, and there it is, and you can't judge. Well, let's keep reading, okay? Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Now, now, here's where you've got to keep reading. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine, uh, thine eye, and behold, the beam is in thine own eye? 
You know what the Lord doesn't say? He doesn't stop there. Verse 5 is the crux of this whole thing. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt... Does he say, you know what? Uh, forget it, you guys. Just, no, there's no, just don't help anybody. Don't worry about it. Don't judge. No, no. He said, get that big log out of your eyes and get the splinter out of her eye. In other words, hey, you need to be able to do this, but you can't do it the wrong way. You can't be hypocritical. You can't go halfway with this. If you're going to judge, you've got to do it the right way according to God's standard. Now, look at John chapter number 7. John chapter number 7. John 7. Proving. When you prove something in a court of law, do you know what, you know what you're doing? Someone's have to make a judgment call. you get that? Yeah. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. All right, so if God goes through your, that's not Pandora anymore. What's the new thing? Uh, the Spotify, or God goes through your Apple Music, or God goes through your YouTube or whatever, would God be like, yeah, this is good stuff? Or would he be like, where did this come from? Right? right? Uh, look at John chapter 7. And you may go, well, God doesn't care about my music. See, that's where you're wrong. God cares about every angle and every aspect of your life. He cares about how you respond to people. He cares about how you deal with others. And but believe it or not, there are things in your life, there are philosophies and ideas that you have held on to for decades, some of you. And you know where they come from? Pop culture. And when you read the Bible, you're like, oh my goodness, that's like way off from what I've been doing. Yes. That's why God gave us his word. Look at John chapter 7. John 7, look if you would at verse number 24. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Now, you may or may not have paid attention in grammar class. I was a grammar nerd. I don't know why, but I like it. And you know what that is? That is an imperative statement. You know what imperative means? It means it's a command. Sorry, Sonny, I'm sure you don't like the view. I'll get out of your way. Just a second, buddy, okay? All right, that is a command. He says, my bad, buddy. <laughs> he says, judge righteous. He's like, I'm never sitting here again. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He says, judge righteous judgment. You know what that is? That's a command. It's not a request. You know what that means? If you're going to make a judgment call, you've got to make it righteously, which means you can't make it on your opinion or based on pop culture. You've got to base it on what God says. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? You change. Oh, you change. You start off bald and toothless, and you end bald and toothless. But everywhere in between, you're changing. Right? Your entire life is about change. God is the I am that I am. And you know what's amazing? What I find is this, is the longer I do this, the more I realize what God does. He puts you in a place in the Christian life where he goes, I want you to grow as close as you can to me. And there are these things in your life that come up where you have to go, am I going to keep going with, on with God or am I going to go in a different... You don't lose your salvation. That's, that's constant. But your fellowship with God, some, for some Christians, stops right there. They go, I don't want to go any further. All right? So you know what you have to learn to do? You have to learn to say, you know what? Regardless of what they think, I want to make righteous judgments. So the question is, can I judge? The answer is, you need to because he told you to. But you can't do it based on your own opinion because you'll get it wrong. And sometimes you'll get it wrong because you're too overbearing about things and you're a Pharisee. And sometimes you'll get it wrong because you're like, oh, that's not a big deal. Translation, I like that. All right? Uh, look if you would at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
I know I've said this before, but if I put up a banner on the corner of Hamden and Hamden Circle, and the banner said, all you guys that want to cheat on your wives, we want you to know it's no big deal. You're welcome here. Already the mood is like, mm. <laughs> right? And if my wife had a gun, I'd be dead right now, okay? It, there's, it's kind of like, well, that's not right. Can we agree on that? Yeah. All right. Why is it not right? Why? Yeah, but I like it. Why, 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 why is it a problem if I like it? Well, the Bible says, but, but who's got to tell me? That's modern society. Modern society is if I like it, who are you to tell me? Now, let me, let me point this out. The moment that I tell a man who's cheating on his wife you're doing something wrong, you know what he's going to say? You're judging me. Okay. Fair. I'm not judging you, though, because I think I'm better than you. I'm trying to help you. If you go to the doctor and they're like, you've got six months to live unless you do these treatments, and you're like, who are you to tell me? <laughs> right? Am I right about that? It's funny how you wouldn't do that with a doctor, but you do with a preacher. So, so you go to the spiritual doctor, Dr. Jesus, and he's like, yeah, I've been watching this for a while. It's just getting worse and worse. We've got to do something to correct this. And you're like, oh, I don't see what the big deal is. Okay, if you want to die early, go for it. You want to die spiritually early? Go for it. Look at First Corinthians chapter two, and Paul is dealing with the most carnal church that there was to deal with in the New Testament. When you make any decision, let me just say it like this: You're making. When you say, "I don't," I'm going to drive seventy miles an hour, fifteen over the speed limit, because I'd rather do that than leave my house on time. You made a judgment call, and when the policeman pulls you over, you're like, "What's your problem?" He's doing his job. Do you understand what I'm trying to get at? Like, you're making judgment calls all day long. You just don't realize it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and look at verse number uh, 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You know what, you know what the things of God are? Look at verse 13. They are God's words. Amen. If you want to understand the things of God, you have to know the words of God. Therefore, in order to have spiritual discernment, you've got to get it from here. How do I know that? Look at verse 15. Do you want to be spiritual? Who wants to be spiritual? I do. Well, guess what it says in verse 15? He which is spiritual, what's the next word? Judgeth what? Well, guess what that means? If you're spiritual, you judge all things righteously according to God's word. And there are, there are two things that determine whether it's righteous judgment. Your motive. If you're looking down at someone going, <laughs> you're just not spiritually enlightened as I am, right? <laughs> like, if, if that's how you're doing it, then you're a jerk and you're not right for that. Your motive is wrong. You understand? Yeah. I'm serious. Like, that's a fair, shiical way to approach it, right? But if your motive is, I'm trying to help you. If I tell someone, you're on your way to hell without Jesus Christ, who the blank do you think you are? Get out of my way. Okay. Who are you to judge me? I, I don't think I'm better than you. I'm trying to help you. If your motive is right, and secondly, if your basis and foundation for judgment is right, which means it came from that book, then it's all right. All right? That, that's what righteous judgment is. Now, people will say this. When you judge, you're being a legalist. Legalist. Legalism. Legal. You know, the, the modern Christianity, and they, they kind of throw that word out there anytime they don't like what a preacher says. 
All right, let me tell you what legalism actually is. I don't have time to go through it all, but there are the verses in Galatians 3 and in Galatians 2. They're up there. Write them down. Look them up later. Legalism is someone trying to bring you back under the law for your salvation. I have said a bajillion times you could be saved and do anything a lost person could do, and you're still going to heaven. I'm not legalizing salvation, all right? I'm not making a legalistic presentation of salvation. Legalism is saying you've got to be saved by what you do. That's not what I'm saying at all. You're saved by the righteousness of Jesus Christ by grace through faith plus nothing, all right? However, if you want to walk with God, absolutely there are standards. Are you going to tell me for a moment there's no standards having a relationship with you? (laughs) If someone lied and talked about you behind your back, would you be like, well, it doesn't matter. It's just like whatever. (laughs) That's a lie. You would not have a relationship with that person. So it's okay for you to have standards with your relationships, but God can't. So God says, you want to walk with me? You want to have fellowship with me? Here's how you do it. Here are some things I want to incorporate in your life for your good. Here are some things I want to take out of your life for your good. But in order for those things to stay out of your life, it has to start here and here. You have to learn to align yourself and identify yourself as a child of God first. And when you do that, you go, I don't even belong in this culture. I'm just a pilgrim. This world is just my home. I'm just a passing through, like the old song says. So you know what I have to learn to do? I have to learn to say, you know what? Lord, I want to see things the way you see them. Lord, would you help me not to align myself just with pop culture, but rather would you help me to align myself with you? Listen to me very carefully, not because I think I'm better than anybody. You know what breaks my heart? It breaks my heart watching people just continue in the same cycle over and over. I work with people that I care deeply about and watching some of the people that I do and their lives and things that they have to deal with. And I go, man, ah, you need Jesus. I don't think, you go, oh, you're looking down. No, not at all. You know what I think to myself? I think, man, I just want you to enjoy what I'm enjoying. That's it. She said, was that, is, that a, is that a judgment because you think you're better? Nope, 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 nope. But I'll tell you this, I'm supposed to discern between saved and lost. My job is to lead people to Christ. If I don't know what a lost person is, I can't help them. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's a judgment call. But the judgment's not based on what I think or what I feel. The judgment's based, listen, I went to see Carmen, Rose's sister, and she's got some health complications, and, and she's not doing very well. I didn't get to share this with you guys, but I went there, and she's talking about making plans, and, you know, I may not be here long, and this and that, and... And I get, I'm just trying to get my family ready. And, and we talked about the difference between giving up and just saying that you're at peace to go and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and I said, well, you know, Carmen, you've made all these plans to, w- w- for your family and you want them to be ready. Are you ready? If you die today, would you? She goes, Bobby, you don't remember? You told me this last time. I got saved. <laughs> I talked to her like in 10 years. You know, this is a true Latina thing. I walk in the room and she goes, oh, you've gotten old. <laughs> thing out of her mouth. Papito, why are you so old? I, said, I don't know. It's just time, I guess. <laughs> but you know what was amazing? It was amazing to hear her testimony. She said, I got that Bible you gave me. I still read it. Yeah. Now, I'm thankful for that. But you know, your job is to discern between saved and lost, right and wrong, good and evil. And when you no longer can do that, do you know what it is? Brother, if you go last slide, we'll stop here. It's a sign of the times in which we live. Now, oftentimes, people, when they point, we haven't even done anything with music tonight. I didn't play any music, didn't do any of that stuff. We just talked about 
where you're at and who do you identify with and what, where, how do you make judgment calls and what makes you discern things the way that you do. But, but oftentimes, when people talk about the signs of the time, they're looking for like a blood moon or stars yeah. to fall. Or, you know, I heard about this thing on the internet and I heard about a red heifer in a valley or something like that. I don't know. I, I read it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That guy said it on YouTube, so it must be right, you know. And, and let me just stop you right at the timeout. Those things, half of those aren't even right biblically, but the ones that are, those have to do with the second advent when Jesus comes back to put his kingdom on the earth. You should be looking for the signs of the end of the church. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll be done. We'll look at some of these more next week, but look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. Is this stuff making sense? Amen. See, Pastor, we really didn't talk a lot about music. I know. I, I kept trying to tell you, it's not just about music. T-Mobile's calling somebody. 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Remember that time where Saul's like, I have kept the commandments of the Lord. I turned my phone off. What then is this bleeding of the sheep that I hear? <laughs> First Timothy chapter 3. Uh, I think you ought to have a good time at church. I mean, if you can't have a good time, something's wrong with you. First Timothy chapter 3. And uh, look, if you would, at... Uh, I'm sorry, for second, I do this all the time. Second Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It's in Timothy. Cut me some slack. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, let me give you this one more time, all right? I don't know where my marker went. Where's my, there you are. I've been missing you. Um, all right, when we talk about what Paul is writing, I want to be very clear. He's writing to Timothy, who's a young preacher. He's a young disciple. Think of it like Brother Billy to Palat, Brother Billy to me, okay? That was Timothy to Paul, all right? So I want you to understand when Paul's talking to Timothy about the last days, all right? You understand that we are in the age of the church. The next major event for the church is the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. After that comes the tribulation. And at the end of the tribulation, the Bible says Jesus Christ, Revelation chapter 19, is going to come back. The hero, the hero always shows up on a white horse, right? And he rescues the lady off the railroad tracks at the last minute. All right, so at the second coming... All right, you get all this stuff from Matthew talking about, you know, signs in the heavens and all that kind of stuff. When people talk about the last days, they're always going, what, what, do you, uh, Pastor, there's a war in Ukraine, and, you know, do you think that's the bear? And I'm like, look, man, I don't know. They thought the same stuff in World War II. Yeah, right. And if there ever was a type of the Antichrist, it would have been Hitler. Right. Anti-Semitic, trying to kill all the Jews. I mean, that's, that's him, right? Yeah. And yet here we are 70-some years later. So, so I'm real careful to point at something and go, yep, that's it. Um, so that's, that's here. We're not here. We're right here. The next major event is this right here. So you know when Paul writes to, to Timothy about this stuff? He's talking about the last days before he comes back. The last days of the church. Does that make sense? So, so know this. In the last days, perilous times shall come. How does he describe perilous times? Ooh, an increase in crime. Fentanyl flowing through the streets of Colorado. Now that might be the result, but that's not how he describes it. How he describes it, verse 1, or verse 2. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Yeah. You know what he says is the description of the end times? Narcissism. People so in love with themselves that everything is about them. So if I want it, and I can have it, who are you to judge me for doing it? 
This is the culture in which we live. And let me say this as generously and as graciously as I can. It's going to become more and more that way as we get closer to that. You're going to have to do this. Find a lower center of gravity. <laughs> All right? In martial arts. Yeah! All right? In martial arts. You know, they tell you, if you stand up like this, you're going to get knocked down. All right? You, you, this is it, man. You get down. You say, why? Because you have your lower. In football, same exact thing. In wrestling, I'm sure. I'm assuming. Brother Jose, you got some wrestling background. Am I right? No. There you go. There you go. Okay. So listen, if it's about sports, I'm looking right over here. Okay, sorry. All right. Uh, you won't get swole, see that guy, right? So anyways, in football, listen, if you're running like this, <laughs> and a 250-pound linebacker's coming at you, you're an idiot. <laughs> you lower your shoulder, and you do this, and you brace for impact. Why? Because if you have a lower center of gravity, you have a better chance of survival. You as a Christian in these last days, you better go like this. And say, I don't want to be a part of everything that's going on out there. I want to be different. Why? You can't make a difference if you're just like everybody else. Let's all stand. We'll stop right there. Father, we thank you for the word tonight. Lord, I know that we just uh, skinned the service on this subject and really didn't talk a lot about music. But Lord, just as we're going to see in the next couple of weeks where Lord, the, the music has led and uh, where the culture has led and Lord, the, the things that we now embrace and the things that we now uh, accept, that, Lord, you don't. And, Lord, I, I, I feel this pressure in these last days to either accept people or accept you, and I'm feeling it. I know if I'm feeling it, your people are feeling it. And, Lord, I'd rather be found to be accepted by you than by everybody else. At the end of the day, I know this, Lord, and this, at times I don't always live by it perfectly. I know that, and you know that. But, God, I know I'm going to stand before you someday not before anybody else. And I'm going to give an account of my life to you. And Lord, I do want to hear, well done. Lord, I do want to hear that, Lord, I proved things acceptable in your sight. I do want to hear, Lord, that you were pleased, Lord, with the 40, 50, 60 years, whatever, however long you give me on this planet. Lord, I don't want to just be about me pleasing my five senses. I want to get something done for you all. I pray our church wants to get something done for you. Lord, help us to put ourselves second to the needs of you first and others next. And God, to make a difference, Lord, help us to be different. Lord, I pray as your people go home tonight, they'd be stirred up, maybe challenged a little bit, Lord, just to do some inventory and, and, and evaluate decisions, evaluate relationships, evaluate everything in their life and go, am I proving this right to you? Lord, I love you. Thank you for giving us your word. And God, we know, we know very well, Lord, uh, we don't deserve your grace. We don't deserve your mercy. Lord, we are thankful that you have made us your children when we didn't deserve it. Lord, help us to leave this place with humility. Lord, with a desire and a burden to reach others with you, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here that isn't saved, they get saved. Lord, thank you for saving Ayana tonight. Lord, I just pray that you help us as a church family, Lord, to be a blessing to her. Lord, we love you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, we'll see you, Lord willing, Sunday.